What day is today? Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. Alrighty, here we are, back on a Wednesday again. Good to have you here. If you're wondering what's different about me today, possibly the glowing complexion, the smooth, supple skin, a certain radiance emitting from my face. Dear God, it's beautiful. Well, last night, my girls and I had a spa night, and uh, I had a face mask. To be uh, exact, it was a plump peach collagen face mask that had me, all while watching some TV and eating some candy corn. And I want to be very clear on this right now. The hate in which candy corn gets is unacceptable. Candy corn is a national treasure, and the negativity cast its way, it's just plain wrong. I mean, I can't even wrap my mind around why anybody would not enjoy the sweet goodness that only candy corn provides. Plus, if you claim to love Halloween and you say you don't like candy corn, you sit on a throne of lies. You need to stop because you're lying to me, you're lying to everybody else, but most importantly, you're lying to yourself. And that's, it's just sad. It's probably the best thing about fall. And I know that there's all those weirdos uh, who like pumpkin spice everything. Uh, pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin spice air fresheners, pumpkin spice hand soap, uh, pumpkin spice pasta. Yeah, it's a real thing. You're weirdos. You got it? Weird. Now, I've never been a fall guy. Not to be confused with the 80s themed stunt show sitcom but in the chicago area where we all know i'm from we got fall for like four days maybe uh it was summer and then four days of fall followed by eight months of winter then maybe five days of spring so fall meant winter was coming i know this is hard for you but winter is coming we know what's coming with it. And winter meant gray skies, sub-zero temperatures, snow, sleet, shoveling the driveway, icy roads. So like, in other words, misery. Winter is misery. So fall just lets me know misery's coming. Winter's coming, misery's coming. I think that's another reason why I like uh, South Carolina so much, because instead of eight months of winter, I get eight months of summer. I like the sun, I like the warm, I like the hot. I know, call me crazy, but I like it hot. Plus, here in the winter is like the four days of fall that I got, so there is no winter to me. It's, it's amazing. It's even sweeter than candy corn. Barely. A little bit. One last thing. It's not even 
fall, people. Starbucks got you bamboozled and hypnotized by the pumpkin spice way too early. Fall doesn't begin until tomorrow, the 22nd of September. My wife has had fall paraphernalia up for two weeks already, and it's ridiculous. Anyways, what are we talking about here? Oh, let's get to the devotional part. Let's get to that, all right? Okay, so Sunday, Sunday night, I was teaching the Utes. The Utes. That's what I say about youths. Uh-oh. What was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. And I was teaching on prayer. And we went through the acronym for pray. So P-R-A-Y. P, praise, R, repent. A, ask, Y, yield. And uh, it all went as well as it could, considering I fed them a lot of sugar and popsicles and got them all hyped up before that. And they probably weren't in the best place to want to sit and listen to me, but that's what happened. And I got to the, I got to the portion where we talked about the ask aspect of the pray um, model that I gave them. Um, and immediately someone yelled out, like, I go, what do, you, what do you pray for? What do we ask for? Money! He yelled out money right away. Now, I mean, you could ask for money. You could ask for whatever you want to, I suppose. It's your prayer. Uh, but to me, like, I don't pray for that kind of stuff, which I, this is all things that I talk to him about. Um, I mean, I could always use money for sure, always. Um, and there's so many other things I'd like to buy. Um, I daydream about certain things. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I crave having that are weird. Like, um, here's, here's something weird, like um, matching hangers in my closet, like cool wood hangers. If you walked in and you saw these cool wood, like that'd be pretty cool to have, right? Um, I've told my wife a bunch of times if we were, if we were rich, I would eat like five so delicious uh, blueberry yogurts a day because the name says it right there. So delicious. I mean, I'm telling you, it is good. Um, I also eat these uh, peanut butter banana cliff bars that are also amazing. And uh, I would have like a couple of those a day. Yeah, because again, delicious. So, but both of those, uh, the yogurt and the cliff bars are a little pricey. So my wife says. And I'm limited to about four or five a week of each of those. So again, if I was rich, I would be indulging in some yogurt and Cliff Bars for sure. See, it's the little things. Now, don't get me wrong. I like some big stuff as well. Like, I have like five cars in mind that I would really want. Like, if, I, if money wasn't a, well, wasn't a problem, I'd be like, okay, I want an 82 uh, Monte Carlo all blacked out, customized, black on black on black. That would be awesome. Uh, I want to get the 84 uh, Thunderbird Elon that I had when I was in high school that I adored. I want to get a one of those um, late 70s vans that are four-wheel drive, just slightly uh, lifted, 
but like still kind of retro and cool. Uh, I mean, there's some cool stuff I'd like to buy, like that. Um, and, and I imagine what it would be like to have these cars or a big house uh, with a beach view and a pool, um, all the different colors of Converse shoes. It would be amazing, right? And then don't get me started on guitars that I want because there's so many guitars. You have no idea. But instead of focusing on all those wants in my prayer time with the Lord, I actually asked for a lot of different things. I, I asked for healing for my family and my friends and my loved ones and protection over my family um, for, for, my for the futures of my girls uh, to be successful and, and to find love and never know uh, divorce or anything like that. I pray for my wife. I pray for just our whole family to stay together. I pray for our family to continue to serve the Lord um, throughout our days on earth, that, that nothing would come between that. And I, and I ask to be a tool that he uses to expand the kingdom. And I ask forgiveness daily of, for, for anything that I've done and anything that my family has done. Now, for sure in the past I had asked uh, for God to provide for us when I was out of a job and stuff like that. But it was only for a season, and it wasn't like I was praying, asking for some sort of enormous wealth or fancy cars or fame or fortune or anything like that. Because when I'm in prayer with the Lord, I, I already know that he's provided for me what I need. Not necessarily what I want, but what I need. But in that instance in youth, uh, the other night when the student boarded out money as the first thing that they would ask for in prayer, I could see how the influence of the world can creep in. And, I, and, it, and it can change what you perceive as a necessity. It changes your thoughts from being content and grateful for what you have to coveting and craving what others have, what other people think is success. And whatever other people think is cool and relevant. It's that old slippery slope that we all heard about. I mean, we all start prayer for the right reasons. When slowly you start asking for things that are unimportant from the world, then as time goes on, you keep asking for those and God keeps telling you no uh, because you're asking for nonsense or, or worldly things. Then your prayer time is reduced because your heart is hardened because God doesn't care about me because I keep asking for these, for these things and he keeps saying no. He's not giving me what I need. He's not answering my prayers. Then you start accepting more and more of the world's ideology. And after a while, you aren't going to church. You aren't praying. You aren't living the life God wants you to live. And instead of seeing that, you're embracing more of what the world has sold you. It sold you lies. And it's selling you fake happiness. And that all could start slowly with something as little as a misguided prayer. But it snowballs. And, and I'm not even talking about just prayer. It could be a multitude of different things that or scenarios that you can get into disagreement. Like, for instance, you can get into a disagreement with someone at church that leads you to the next thing. Maybe someone giving you actual godly advice that you took the wrong way as a slight because it was in a text or an email, which happens all the time. Trust me, I know. And then you feel a certain way and then all of a sudden the church hurt me. I can't go back there. These things happen every day. 
You could listen to the wrong people and start thinking and accepting worldly practices because we know love is love. And if it makes you happy, how can it be wrong? Doesn't God want people to be happy and experience love? If God is love, then why can one form of love be wrong? You start looking at it like this through the lens of the world instead of through the lens of Christ. And that can slowly lead you away from him. You could get hurt in your relationship, in your marriage. You could end up in divorce and think, why is God allowing this to happen? That could easily lead you off that narrow path that leads to him. Because in that instance, you're hurting and you're struggling and you need someone to blame. You could lose a loved one uh, to a disease or an illness and, and think, how is it possible for an all-loving God to allow this? Doesn't make sense. Then you go to the world for comfort instead of the God who indeed weeps with us. In every instance, one thing leads to another, but we must remain focused on his word and his will and his teachings and keep us on the right path regardless of our feelings, our struggle, our doubt, or confusion. It's the old slippery slope. One thing eventually leads to disaster. Oh, please, you're catastrophizing, Adam. The slippery soap is such an exaggeration. And I say, is it? Because outside of biblical beliefs, like, let's just take all that away. Let's just look at the world that we're living in. Did you ever think that we would be in a time where more than two genders was accepted? Probably not. Once that ideology is accepted, the next one seems just as reasonable. More than gender now, we have species dysphoria, which is now like a real accepted medical psychological diagnosis. Did we think in society we'd be dealing with people who identify as sheep, dogs, and cats? A Therian, I believe that my soul is an animal soul. I know and I have a fundamental understanding that I am overall human. I just enjoy connecting to my animal identity. I experience something called species dysphoria. Keep in mind, dysphoria is not trans-exclusive, nor is Therianthropy or being a Therian a gender identity. Okay, hi guys. So my name's Dasha. I'm a furry. And I'm going to be teaching you guys some ways that my friends and I meow to one another to communicate when words just seem a little too difficult. So, here we go. Okay, so first off, we have the normal meow that we just use mostly to get each other's attention. Meow. The slippery slope has already made waves in our lives. And you know that it has. So Romans 12:2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I know last week I said we were going to talk about lukewarm Christians, but I was given this quote, uh, a pastor from Illinois who um, texts me every day with uh, different devotionals and um, scripture. He sent me this quote by Billy Graham, which really spoke to me, which led to this whole devotional today. It says, Billy Graham said this, a boat doesn't sink because it is in the water. It sinks because the water gets into it. 
In the same way, Christians don't fail to live as they should because they are in the world. They fail because the world has gotten into them. We don't fail to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit because we live in a sea of corruption. We fail because the sea of corruption has gotten into us. It can happen almost without our realizing it. At one time, we are dedicated to Christ, surrendering to the will of God, but little by little, the chilling waters of the world crept in. We became preoccupied with the things of this world rather than the things of Christ. Most ocean-going ships have pumps running constantly, sucking out any water that might have leaked into the hull. Similarly, we need to keep the pumps of repentance running. We need to plug those holes with the truth of God's word. Don't let the world sink your ship. Again, that was Billy Graham. And, and let's just think about this. Just look at the platform that I am on right now, which is social media. Is that a way we allow water into the boat without even knowing it? We see lifestyles we want, which, by the way, most of the time aren't even real, and we see it online and social media. And that leads us to do and say and act the ways we know God doesn't want for us. We see people traveling to exotic locations, living in million-dollar homes, showing off their elaborate wardrobe, driving luxury cars, selling their bodies for clicks and likes, and accepting all of that while not realizing that it is influencing us all the time. Then one day, you decide to pray and ask for those same things because if you just had some of what they had, life would be so much better. There's some more water in the boat right there. And, and guess what? It doesn't just happen to people. It happens to pastors as well. Just because we're in some position where people think we're closer to God, it happens to us as well. Think of all the pastors that started out for the right reasons. I'd like to think that all of them started out for the right reasons to be a pastor, uh, being a part of expanding God's kingdom to reaching all of his people. And they built churches and they built communities and they turned those into mega churches. And the goal was to reach as many people as possible. And they reached a lot. They were so successful. Then all of a sudden came some money. Then maybe a little bit of fame. And those same pastors, they start to like that money and fame. The boat springs a leak. It cost a lot to maintain a megachurch or a bunch of campuses. How do we continue to grow and get money to keep this this machine going while getting bigger. I know, we start to preach what they want to hear. More water in the boat. Those same pastors look at other famous pastors and other megachurches kind of as, as a model that they're looking at and thinking, well, what I'm doing isn't so bad. Look, they're doing it too. So what if I take some tithe money and, and put that addition on my house or buy a nice car? The money is for the church and I am the church. So much water in the boat. Lastly, that pastor says, I'm famous. I'm huge, hugely successful. I have this amazing, amazing church that everybody's talking about. You know what? I am a big deal. How many people could have done what I did? I'm sure this affair with this woman will be okay. As long as I repent. As long as no one finds out. Well, now you've capsized. That's when we read this. Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God told us a long time ago to live in this world, not of this world. He told us that the love of money was the root of all evil. 
he tells we cannot live, we cannot love money and God at the same time. So keep that in mind when you pray, when you go about your day, when you think about all the things that you want, when you feel like you don't have much at all. God gives us what we need. That's more than we'll deserve. See you next time.